You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. This is my name is Sean Tice, and I'm excited to have my guest today, Chris Sprouse, with us. He was the former Speaker of the Florida House of Representatives, and we're just excited to have you with us. Hey, Sean. Great great to be with you. Great to see you again, and looking forward to talking about fatherlessness with you. Yeah, we met at the event in Tennessee, the Amplifying Fatherhood Conference. You were on a panel, and I got to meet you and through John DeBerry, I believe, and he introduced us. And just excited to to learn more about the Florida Fatherhood Initiative. I know you had a role in that, and you'd mentioned that. And so I'd love to talk to you more about that and just see what's going on with fatherhood in your state and then anything else you're involved in with the issue of fatherlessness. But just go ahead and take a few minutes and tell us about yourself and your background and your career. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, you know, getting the message out here on this podcast. You know, I grew up here in uh, where I am right now, which is uh, just north of Clearwater, Florida, uh, the son of a retired New York City homicide detective. And my parents moved down here to Florida when I was three years old and grew up in this community and, uh, you know, wanted to get into, into law enforcement as I was getting older, getting into, you know, college and, and uh, ended up going to law school instead of becoming a gang and homicide prosecutor here in the Tampa Bay area. Um, which really, and we can talk about this a little bit later, but really was kind of my first dose of trying to understand fatherlessness and the impact that it has on communities, particularly young men um, in communities and communities of high poverty, especially. Um, so, you know, I had that experience. And then in 2014, I decided, you know, look, I'm, I love my job. I'm prosecuting cases. Um, it's really exciting to work every day with law enforcement. But I kind of had this nagging feeling that I wasn't getting ahead of problems. I was seeing problems at the end, you know, when the, when there was really not much left to do to help a person. So decided to run for office in 2014, ran for the state legislature in the community that I grew up in, uh, was elected there and had a, a great eight years uh, in the Florida House of Representatives. One of the, I think, last great places for public service in America is inside our state legislatures. And I got to serve for eight years as judiciary chairman, rules chairman, and then ultimately as Speaker of the House for uh, two years from 2020 to 2022. Uh, And we worked on a whole host of things ranging from literacy to fatherlessness. Um, But really, it was all geared about how do we tackle our most pressing problems in our state? And how do we do what it's often so difficult to do in politics, which is instead of taking a you know two-day view or a two-month view or the next election view, how do you take a 30-year view of what we want our state and our, our communities and our country to look like 30 years from now? So we got to do that. I got to do that for, for a number of years, um, and it was a, a great blessing. That's so great. Sounds, I mean, great, great career. And you're only 39. I saw it. I was, I was looking you up. Now, now I did see that you... Uh, you were part of a COVID party that you didn't wear masks on Wikipedia. I was also looking you up there. I'm just kidding. I'm just, they had that on. No, I, I never, I could never quite understand like the, uh, you know, whatever algorithm they use to decide what goes on Wikipedia and what doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I should have mentioned. That was kind of funny that was highlighted about your profile. Yeah. Kind of, Instead of all the of other good. great things you've done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, um, you know, I should have mentioned uh, probably the most important thing, um, you know, married my wife, Shannon, I got two little boys, seven and eight. So, you know, I, I say that in the context of our conversation today, because I feel like when I was talking about these issues in the legislature, as we talk about them today, you know, I, I sort of see them play out, you know, on a daily basis, whether whether it's with my own kids and, yeah. and of course, relationship or whether it's when we're on the sports field, um, you know, and seeing how kids, you know, different kids have different you know opportunities, you know, regarding, um, you know, having a male mentor in their life, especially. 
That's great. And I appreciate your work and what you've done and, and even work with the gangs and the different background that you had there. And then you just decided, Hey, I want to do more. And you just decided to pursue a career in, in politics that way. And it's just such a cool, cool career. Now just kind of break down for us. Um, what, like what, what is the Florida fatherhood initiative and in your, you know, in your eyes, what you saw, what was your role in helping develop that? You know, well, if you, if you go back to when I first started really talking about it publicly, um, which is right before I was speaker, you know, you get to give this speech, which they call it the designation, you know, you're designated as the next speaker. And it's an opportunity to really to lay out, hey, this is what I believe in. These are the things I think are really important that we should look at over the next couple of years. And if you recall, it was right around the time of the Gillette commercial, you know, where it was like men are bad, you know, t- toxic masculinity. And it was, it was a really odd time. Um, to be talking about these issues. So, I, you know, here I have this like kind of page in the speech where I'm talking about the impact of fatherlessness on communities. I'm talking about um, the achievement gap in K-12 education for young boys, you know, you know, related to the same sort of phenomenon. And, uh, you know, some people in my staff are like, hey, we shouldn't talk about this right now. You know, I mean, this is like a really bad time to be talking about it. And And even if we did talk about it, you know, we don't even know what we would do to to try to solve some of these problems. And you know, I think where we got to, certainly where I got to was, well, you know, it may be a good time or bad time, but if we don't talk about it now, we won't do anything. And that was really the kind of the launching off point. And then for two years, we really looked at all of those issues, everything stemming from, you know, K-12 achievement gap for boys, you know, boys are falling drastically behind girls in school. Um, you know, we looked at that, we looked at the impact of fatherlessness, then we really kind of asked ourselves the question, you know, what can we do as a state to help get upstream with with the, this realization? If you step back from a minute for a public policy standpoint, you say to yourself, okay, leading indicators of suicide, leading indicators of drug abuse, incarceration, mental health, living in poverty, right? Bad health care, all of these things you, you stack up and we would say to ourselves, okay, those are our biggest social problems that we face as a nation. But if I said, hey, the leading indicator of each one of those things is lack of a present father in the home. Mm. Gosh, like that, now we know we've, we've zoned in on a PowerPoint, like on, on, I'm sorry, on a pressure point, right? That, hey, this one thing, not saying it's the only thing, it's not the only thing, but this one thing is a leading indicator of all of these other bad things. So we know that if we're going to move the needle on these things in order to get upstream, we have to address that issue. We have to talk about it. We have to go deep. We have to succeed. If we don't succeed, we will treat the symptoms and we'll never treat the underlying disease. And what's interesting as we sit here today, Sean, I think, and this is more of a new phenomenon, but you now you're seeing books being written by scholars who are, you know, some of them are right of center, some a lot of whom are left of center. Um, who now are all agreeing on what, what we just said, which is, hey, this is the leading indicator of all of these social problems. What are we going to do about it? So, you know, we got to that point and then we thought to ourselves, okay, this can't be a sole government solution because we know sole government solutions don't yeah. generally work. Well, what we found were, hey, there are a lot of amazing organizations in, in our state, uh, whether they are operating as a ministry in the back of a church or whether they're you know, nonprofits standalone that are doing amazing work in different aspects of fatherlessness. It could be dads who are getting out of prison who want to have a relationship with their kids. It could be, you know, just, you know, middle-class dads who are, you know, taking their kids to school and going to work, but just, you know, feel like they're not, you know, they're not hitting singles and doubles and home runs with their children and they want to. Um, And it, it, you know, it could be all kinds of different things. It could be, you know, children who don't have a dad in their life and are not going to have options to have a biological father in their life. 
So how do we, you know, put a male mentor? There's organizations who are working with mentors and putting them in the lives of the kids. So really care to us is how do we support those organizations in training, you know, make sure that they, if they're not a sophisticated, you know, they haven't been around a long time and they haven't scaled, how do we help them do those things and learn? Then how do we take that their their sophistication, their training, and then help their successful program scale so that we can serve more more dads, more kids? So that became part of it. And that was a you know $25 million a year investment where we're going to invest in these organizations with both time, training, and expertise and counselors, and $25 million of investment to help them then scale their programs. That's half the initiative, right? Lift up, let this be a ground movement where we assist these organizations. And then I think, and on top of that, it was, hey, we've got to change this perception, right? That that being a dad is something that just kind of happens, right? As opposed to, this is the coolest, most exciting journey mission you're going to have in your entire life. Like, let's man up and just tackle this. Like, this is awesome. Like, you get to be a dad, you get to have this massive impact. Or, hey, you're a male mentor who's going to change someone's life. How do we change that cultural, um, you know, makeup so that so that that's how every father or every man who, whether they have ch- children or not, thinks to themselves, "Hey, I can have a real impact on the life of a child if I'm just willing to give some of my time and sort of adopt one more, if you will." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was that became a marketing campaign. So we said, "Look, we're going to invest millions of dollars in marketing." Because we believe that we have to get the messaging out there to wherever people are, whether that's on social media, on you know, television, during football games, whatever, so that they realize, hey, there's this cool opportunity that you have to be a father or to be a male mentor and change the trajectory of a child's life and therefore our society's life. So those were kind of the two pillars of the initiative um, that we rolled out. And what was really cool about it was there's this moment where we're we're standing on the steps of the old capital in Florida it's you know kind of an old beautiful southern capital and you know we have republicans democrats men women black white all together standing there talking about the importance of fatherlessness and how we were going to sort of be the tour you know the the lighting of the torch that you know tackled this this issue nationally and then we all went back into the capital and we passed that bill unanimously uh, which of course in American politics is is really um, you know a sight a sight to see. So we really got a lot of buy-in. We rolled out the initiative, and now you're seeing some of these organizations. Um, All Pro Dad is one I'm involved with, who you know is involved in school programs and, and making sure dads are on campus that they're pouring into their children, not just character and life lessons, but you know their their pride moments where they're putting their hand on their shoulder and they're saying, "Hey, you know, Jimmy or Jane, I'm proud of you because." of this. Um, and you can see just sort of the magic that happens between, you know, that parent and, and their children. So there's lots of organizations who are doing that in different parts of fatherlessness. Our job, I think, as citizens, as a state, is to support them uh, and help them serve more. Okay. That's, that's so, so great. So much information there. So go a little deeper with it. So what are some of the things you've seen? I mean, all pro dads, what are some of the successes you guys have seen from that in the initiative? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the, the fascinating thing about, you know, uh, I think an organization like All Pro Dad, right, is like, this is in public schools, right? So, you know, you're seeing, and private schools, but but you're seeing, you know, public schools, a lot of whom are Title I schools, right, which is really where we want to be. Like, those, those are going to be in communities that, you know, there's more poverty, there's going to be more fatherlessness, and and you see these robust programs in some of these schools. I actually flew out to Texas 
um, to, to one title one school and real in a real pocket of poverty. And I went to this like full auditorium full of dads, kids, grandpas, male mentors, you know, coaches just pouring into these kids. And, and it is really something to be told, not to mention, I think the administrators get a kick out of the fact that on those days, it's like the school's packed with dads, you know, <laughs> you know, it's really, it's kind of a cool, it's a cool day. And I think it's, it's a really cool impact. You know, you have other organizations, uh, you know, we have one here where I live um, called Man Up and Go, and they do a great job of, of really engaging on two things. One, churches to help them build ministries around fatherlessness and, and adoption and foster care, and then helping those families who, who have a heart for adoption or foster care on how to do it, you know, how to navigate the system so that they're not so taxed with the stress and the burden of sort of bureaucracy instead of just, you know, focusing on loving a child and making sure they have a safe home. Um, and they have turned that into a thriving ministry. You know, this, the <clears throat> fatherhood initiative in Florida had supported man up and go. So it helped them scale. Let's get more good families who want to adopt, who want to be foster parents, because we know that those children are in a critical place and they can end up in a, in a really bad way. Or they can end up with a loving family, um, you know, who who puts them on a pathway to to happiness and success. So those are just two examples, but but the the amount of examples are endless um, throughout the country, whether it's in Tennessee or or here in Florida, of these organizations. It's just a question of finding them, helping them, and supporting them. Now, the t- the Florida Fatherhood Initiative. How long does it go? Is there a timeline that you guys set up, or? Yeah, there's no time for it to end, which I think is the better question, right? So obviously, every legislature gets to decide whether they continue to fund projects and so forth. Yeah. But this was a you know a recurring uh, a recurring expense that we built into the budget, and the reason for that is because, look, the idea here is we should be committed as a state, as a country, to this long term. Now, because we realize, like, hey, this isn't going to change. You know, this is going to continue to be a struggle. Um, you have one in four kids in America who are growing up without a present father in a home. Like this is a real problem and we need to be in it for the long term. With that being said, we also need to get better every year, right? Like we need to learn more about what are the, um, you know, evidence-based practices and curriculums that work best, whether it's in adoption and foster care or in, you know, male mentorship, et cetera, you know, to make sure that these programs are being really successful. And I think one of the things that we get from investment and study is exactly that, right? Like we find answers, we test hypotheses based on what people are doing. And then when we find something that works, we then begin to replicate. And I think you didn't really have that level of engagement and investment um, in the fatherlessness space, and now you do. So it is my hope that while we're doing great work now, when we look at this five, 10 years from now, you know, the work is exponentially better, wider, and more effective. That's that's awesome. And and the governor is completely behind all of this. I've seen all that. And uh, I just, I think it's, it's so great. And you guys have basically set up a model that other uh, states are looking at doing. Like I've been talking to Tennessee Fatherhood Initiative, you know, uh, Clarence Schuler and those different guys there, they're there's, oh, I'm sorry, not Clarence Schuler. Clarence Carter. Clarence Schuler's yeah. an author. Um, but I was, you know, Clarence, commissioner of the um, Department of Human Services there, and and they're they're trying, they're setting up something that I, I know that we worked with a little bit, trying to help the state of Oklahoma as well. Um, we submitted you know some information to them too to help them with their uh, what they were looking at for Oklahoma. So I know other states are looking at doing these fatherhood initiatives, and I just think you guys are just setting up a model. I think it's just a a wonderful thing. Now, kind of going back to your experience with gangs, what did you see back then? I mean, what, what are some of the things that you saw? Uh, I'd love to hear more about that and your background with that. 
Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, I think it's, it's a, um, it's not something that occurred to me at the time. Cause you know, you're so in the, um, you know, you're so focused on the mission, which you think at the time is, Hey, listen, it's, you know, finding the bad person to do the bad thing and then making it, yeah. make sure that, that they're held accountable. But I think it's a, it's a standard story, right? You have young men who don't have a male mentor. They don't have a present father in the home. Um, you know, all of us want to be connected to, um, you know, to someone who can mentor us, who can, you know, teach us the way, if you will. So if you're in a, if you're in a neighborhood and there's a gang, like, right, you have somebody who, who's a gang leader, who seems to be a person of authority, that seems to be uh, somebody who gets respect um, from other people. Now, it's respect out of fear, and it's the wrong kind of respect. And there's all kinds of reasons that we could easily say, well, this is why that's so terrible. But, but if you're a young person who doesn't have someone who's looking after you and teaching you, then then this is what happens, right? Like they end up in a gang. They end up as as you know part of what they think is a team of individuals who care about them. When in reality, it might not be based on that. And then, of course, it 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 goes downhill from there, right? I mean, that's when we get into you know crimes and all kinds of other terrible things. But you know, if we step back from it for a second, you know, it's it's understandable that those things happen. And you know, what are we going to do? And what are we doing to say, look, we can replace that that bad example? With a good example, you know, with a business owner who lives in that community, or you know, with somebody at a church, or with somebody at you know a, a mentorship group, and who can pour into them and say, "Look, you know, you've got opportunity. You've got, you know, you have um, talent. You can do anything you want to do." And I think that is what part of this is all about: is making sure that you know kids not just have a male in, in, you know, mentor in their life or a father in their life. Um, but that it's the the right person who's giving them sort of the the right message. You know, it's it's why youth sports is also a, a really important you know part of this whole fatherlessness conversation because you know many kids are going to interact at some point on a sports field with a coach, yeah. and if you're a coach, you know, just like if you're a teacher, right? You have like awesome responsibility, right? Like what you say to a child might be the only encouragement that they get, or it might be the only encouragement that they get from a male figure. Um, if you're a male coach, right. Um, so, you know, you have this awesome opportunity and responsibility to be able to use that platform to impact the lives of these kids. And I think where we need to sort of make sure the dots are connected is, is making sure that coaches know that, right. We all, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So, Taking a coach and saying, hey, yes, you can teach the mechanics of the sport. Yes, you can teach kids how to be good and have good sportsmanship, but you can also impact their life in a positive way by being that person they look to um, for, for guidance. So, you know, we're trying to take all of those pieces and put them together. And, and I think, you know, when I was a, a prosecutor, I had gone to this event and uh, it was actually, it was a, a family first event, which is all pro dad family first. And they had sort of station set up. It was in this like broken down warehouse mm. and which by design. And each station was a statistic about fatherlessness. Mm. And so here I am, I'm going into courtrooms every day and I'm seeing these folks who are going to prison for, you know, really long times for doing terrible things. And I'm looking at these statistics and I'm thinking to myself, okay, a lot of this is predictable. And we can do something about it. Like we can. And there's a lot of people who have a heart for this. We just need to make sure that we're making it a priority. And, and you mentioned something I think is important, which is that a lot of states, you know, whether it's because we did this big initiative in Florida or what have you, that are now looking at this. And I, I think we are living in a moment where this issue seems to be resonating with yeah. 
again, Republicans, Democrats, black, white, everybody, where people realize, hey, like this is a problem and we're going to suffer consequences. We're going to suffer consequences in education and economics and all kinds of other issues and crime if we don't get a handle on it. And now you're having people who are sort of, okay, we agree now on the problem. The problem exists. Here's all the statistics. Everybody agrees. Now, what are we going to do? And I think that's what these states are now going through. So, you know, we are living in this period of time, and I don't know how long it lasts, hopefully for a yeah. while, where people are, are being honest and transparent about this topic. They're being willing to talk about it and talk about it, you know, um, publicly. Now it's a question of we have to get everybody sort of in the game, you know, government, but, but especially um, our communities, our nonprofit organizations, our churches and our coaches. I, I love this. I mean, I think it's it's so great what you guys are are doing to you in Florida, which you've done there. And I, I think it's it's so so important because you know, fatherlessness, like we've said, it's it's an epidemic. I mean, it's it's affecting every single one of us in the United States of America. And I've spoken in over two hundred churches on the issue of fatherlessness and we spread awareness about it. We help people understand what's going on with it. And we've been doing this for over 15 years. And wow. and like you said, like it's it's really starting to I'm amazed because 15 years ago when I started this ministry, uh, this nonprofit, it it wasn't, people weren't talking about it that much. And I was trying to, it was like pulling teeth, trying to get people to pay attention to what we were saying. Like, hey, phylosis is an issue. And I'm not saying we're anything special. We just, it was a passion. We, it was, God put it on our hearts. We, we knew we were supposed to do it. And, but now 15 years later, I'm amazed by all the, the, the people that are paying attention to fatherlessness. And I think a lot of it came out um, even during COVID and all the stuff that came from that. And they're seeing like what's happening in our country. And they're, they're finding out that the root problem is fatherlessness on many occasions, not all the time, but many occasions. And they're seeing what's, what's happening with it. You know, James one twenty seven says, it's pure religion and undefiled before God and the father is this to visit. And that's what we say is the answer to this whole problem. Visit the fatherless. That's what God tells us. It's pure religion. Yeah. And it's in front of God to visit them. And if we would, as Christians, would just step up. And so what I love what you guys are doing in Florida is you're enabling organizations to either visit or to help people visit, right? Is that what you would say? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it'll help help them engage in their in their mission of visiting, of being engaged in people's life. And and also real like and expanding whatever wherever you are. So, you know, I've got I've got these two boys and I get this opportunity to to be their dad and, and to pour into them. But I, I think I, because I have that, that gift and responsibility and because of my awareness of, you know, the impact of this on kids, it's also, you know, on me to go find another one yeah. who doesn't have that. Right. Because like I'm responsible, you know, I, I am, I'm my brother's keeper. I am my neighbor's keeper. Right. So, you know, for me that, you know, I have a, a young man that, that, that I, you know, spend time with and, and try to pour into and, and, uh, you know, make sure that he has what he needs in order to be successful, just like I hope, you know, my boys will have what they need to be successful. So, you know, and, and sometimes that means different things. Sometimes it could be just spending time with someone and being a mentor. It could be, you know, adopting if you're if you're called to adopt. It could be foster care. It could be being a coach. I mean, I, I think, look, I think, you know, your ministry is great. You're talking about, you know, we have to realize that like lots of people are ministers in different ways, right? And one of those ways mm -hmm. is being a coach on a ball field. Mm -hmm. um, what a cool platform in order to, to help kids. So, you know, re regardless of where we are, we all have the ability to impact this in a, in a significant way um, by just saying, okay, I'm going to do this one thing. And, and it may feel small, but the impact of it is huge. 
And, and I like you're talking about coaching. I keep thinking about Antonio Brown. He's from Florida. Um, I know well. I'm a big I'm a big Steelers you know big Steelers fan. Antonio Brown, you know, he came from Florida and he's made a lot of scenes with making bad choices. And I I can't help but think, what if he would have had a solid coach come into his life and pour into him, you know, that taught him character, not just how to play football, but, and I'm not bashing him. I'm just saying we've seen it in the public, what's happened there. And I pay attention to it, I guess, Steelers fan, Buccaneers, you know, he played for the, he played for the Bucs for a little bit. You know, I, uh, at first I thought you were talking about another Antonio Brown who actually is, uh, he's running a a male mentor program. He calls it the barbershop book club down here in St. Petersburg, but really cool, really cool guy. But, um, yeah, no, listen, I think it's true of a lot of, a lot of kids, right? I mean, you know, um, there's a book that just came out, Melissa Kearney called the two parent privilege. Mm -hmm. And her point is, Hey, there's a lot of the use of the word privilege. And I don't want to get into that, right? Like we can litigate that another day. Like the point is her point was, look, the real great privilege in America is growing up in a two parent household. Like you're more likely to, you know, uh, have a job. You're more likely to get married yourself. You're more likely to not have a drug addiction, you know, all the things, right. As a result of what we already talked about. And I think that we need to focus on ways in which, you know, we can help that problem because to your point, if we can get ahead of it, it doesn't just change the life of that kid, right. It becomes sort of generational change. Like part of the problem with fatherlessness is like, it's generational, right? I mean, you know, folks who aren't engaged dads, chances are like if, if they had a dad in their life, like he probably wasn't a super engaged dad too. Like, right. Like we learn. And I think that this is generational change. I had my, my six-year-old, um, <laughs> was a perceptive kid, but he, he said this to me like recently where, you know, and I think he actually got to the word generational, but he, he was trying to say like, Hey, like, it sounds like if you have a, you know, if, if there's a dad who teaches a kid, then the kid knows how to be a dad. I'm like, right. And I'm like, and then that kid can teach his own kids how to be a dad. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like this is what we're talking about. It's it's generational change. And look, I think that the downside of it from a public policy conversation is like we all live in this world where we want like immediate gratification, right? Like, hey, I push a button, I lower taxes. I can say like, hey, I lower taxes. It was this, now it's this. This is harder. Mm-hmm. Like this is harder. Like this is swimming upstream, finding the problems targeting the right solutions, trial and error, and and then and then digging in and digging in for a long period of time. But the difference is we will see a positive trickle-down effect in nearly every aspect of American life, I believe, if we put in this effort. It's, it's so true. Now, now where, where are you at now? I know you're not Speaker of the House anymore. Tell us about, you know, where's Chris headed in the future? Are you... Well, you know, listen, only God knows the answer to that question. You know, I think uh, I'm getting to live a really cool season of life where, you know, I'm, I'm in business and and getting to you know spend time with my family. Um, you know, the legislature was just an amazing opportunity. Um, I loved every second of it, but it does take a lot of time away from, you know, from being, you know, in uh, with your kids. And and now I, I gosh, I think my kids are, are, are so used to having me around um, and not traveling. So it's a really cool season of them. They're seven and eight, you know, in sports. Um, you know, we get to do a lot together as a family. So I am enjoying, uh, the seasons, you know, there's lots of different kinds of seasons in life and each one I think is, is rewarding. So I don't know what the next one looks like. Uh, you know, when, when, uh, when God lets me know, I'll let you know. Um, but until then, you know, I'm going to soak up, uh, this, this moment we have. Well, I really appreciate you and the things you've done. You know, I've already said that, but 
tell us, is there anything else you would say? I know the work you've done, um, the people you've worked with, you've worked in government, anything else you would say to a fatherless individual that's watching this? And, you know, you've achieved a lot of success and at a pretty young age. I mean, we're the same age, 39. And what's something you would say to a fatherless individual that looks at life and saying, you know, I can't make it. I can't, um, there's no way I could achieve that. What's something you would say to them? Um, I, listen, I think the first thing, uh, to be honest that I would say to them is that, you know, you have a heavenly father who loves you. Um, mm. and that's the most important thing, right? Mm. I mean, I think, you know, part of the fatherlessness epidemic is a, um, someone doesn't feel complete, right? Because they didn't have this person sort of pouring into them. And I think that, you know, God makes us complete because God loves us. Um, and I would say to them that, you know, um, that they have great potential and they also have great power and that great power can be used in a way to help other individuals um, that they know uniquely what those people are feeling. Sean, you know, I've talked about this. You have a, a, an amazing story of what you've overcome personally. And, and look, there's, there's ways to go with that. And I don't judge anybody by the way they go, because there's different reasons that that happens, but you know, you have decided to take this experience that you've had and bring it into a ministry where not only can you bring awareness to the importance of this issue, but you can bring awareness to it from a place of completely understanding what someone is going through. You know, I, I had a, a, a great dad. I, I have a great dad. He was very active in my life. So I, I don't have that experience and I'm, and I'm blessed for that. At the same token, you, you know, you, you are blessed to be able to reach someone I think in a way that other people might not be able to speak into them, pour into them and say, look, I get it. Like, I understand, you know, these feelings that you may have or, or the insecurities that come along with, with not knowing like, Hey, did my dad ever love me? Did he care about me? They abandoned me. But the reality is like, here's why, you know, you are somebody who is successful, will be successful, is complete, you know, can have an amazingly great life where you impact the, you know, you and the world around you. And, uh, and I think that too is a blessing. You know, the saying is, you know, God uses all things for good. Uh, and I believe that. And I think that's true. And, and, uh, you know, with individuals, whether they have, you know, had a dad in their life or they don't, um, they have equal potential. And it's just a question of how do we use the, the gifts that God gave us? Well, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for the encouragement. I really appreciate that. And just tell us lastly, where we can find you, follow you on social media or ways to connect. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook under Chris Browse or uh, at Chris Browse on Twitter and, and follow along. You'll see a lot of a lot of fatherlessness tweets. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great day. Thanks. Take care, Sean. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by e either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is, the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation. Everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And, and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. And if your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by 
by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today.